The following content is sponsored in partnership with Haymarket Media U.S. It's the PR Week Podcast in partnership with MSL. MSL. On today's episode. I think where strategy comes in is creating this sort of always on mechanism, which helps our client teams to be a little ahead of culture. It's understanding what the client needs are, how culture is changing, and how to bring those things together. Data or or AI alone is not going to bring all the magic. I think it's the intersectionality and the cross-pollination of those elements that come together. We really need to use artificial intelligence to augment what we're doing and to make the human intelligence that much smarter and that much more effective. Hi, everyone. This is Gideon Fiddleside, Editorial Director of Custom at PR Week. I am very pleased to welcome you to this very special podcast, and I want to thank MSL for supporting this. I'm really excited about the conversation we're going to have today, which we are calling PR and Moving at the Speed of Culture. Wait, that title is just intriguing. Can't wait to get into this. A tendency among many, understandably so, is to chase the hot trend. However, really smart brands and really smart communicators know how to use insights and strategy to not always chase that hot trend, but rather anticipate it and even shape it. And I am joined by two leaders who can really help you develop that talent. Ben Grinspan, VP of Cultural Strategy at MSL, and Shreya Mukherjee, Chief Strategy Officer at MSL. Guys, thank you both so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us, Gideon. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. And when you have two leaders such as Ben and Shreya, you want to get right to the conversation and spare the usual Gideon joke. So let's get right to it. You both have strategy in your titles. So I want to start our conversation today by focusing on that really important word. I'd love for you to explain to our audience what strategy in PR means to you both. And in answering that question, by all means, feel free to touch on your backgrounds and how you both arrived at the top level positions you both occupy today at one of the leading PR agencies in the world. Um, Shreya, ladies first, I guess. So I'll start with you. <laughs> That's very kind to be Gideon. Um, my story is a little long, but I will try to do my best to, to sum it up as, as quickly as possible. The funny thing is I did start in journalism, so I guess I have come full circle. Over the last, I would say, two decades or so, you know, my career started in television. I worked in the music business. I got into marketing and all things pop culture when I worked for Epic Columbia, where I had the pleasure, believe it or not, of marketing Beyonce and John. John Mayer in Asia before before they were as popular as they are now. I wasn't sure Gideon, if you knew that knew that little nugget, um, but that's a quick claim to fame. My mouth is like open right now. I know this is audio, but I'm like, wow, that's <laughs> wow, boy, MSL, good job, good job on getting Shreya. That's that's awesome. Sorry, continue. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Every, everything that Beyonce is is really because of what I did. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but anyway, you know, I think that you know my my foray into marketing and and pop culture was you know obviously tremendous in terms of the kinds of experiences I had. But I also very much like Ben was in the space of you know what we lovingly call a future forecasting, if if, if that is a thing. A lot of cultural trends mm-hmm. work back in the day. Uh, you know, talking to CXOs and sort of telling them this is what the world's going to look like in 2020. I've done a lot of research, you know, when we did have budgets to actually go to ethnographic studies. Um, I've worked in advertising. I've worked in social impact. I've also uh, worked for startups. So, you know, building methodologies, building teams, building products. So, 
In many ways, I think what's really fascinating as I look back at the last 20, 22 years is that I have kind of become an, an, an ambidextrous strategist, which is really developing the craft of a planner and, and, and really a strategist, but also adapting because of the diversity of those experiences, adapting to the need of the other, uh, you know, depending on whatever, you know, call it a business problem, call it the consumer problem, being able to adapt to the need of the hour. And, and, and as we all know, marketing and comms is a, is, is a very small world. So I was at Publicis before I boomeranged uh, to Deutsch. And, and, and you know, I, I, I got a call from MSL and something, something about that call really sort of paused me in my steps. While I wasn't really looking for a move to PR, when I did speak to Diana Littman, who is our CEO, and I also connected with the leadership team, understanding MSL's ambition, understanding our vision, I was almost instinctively persuaded right away that this was the place that uh, we could do some really interesting work. I think that Diana has created, I would say, a, a sort of an environment where we were ready to do something new, to do something different, to challenge the way that PR has been working and, and really push beyond what the agency had done before. And so I kind of went with my gut and I'll just say it's sort of the best decision I've made. You also asked a question around what does strategy in PR mean? And I think that strategy in PR is all about infusing that craft of planning, that, that craft of strategy at the speed of PR. And Ben will attest to this. I take the craft of planning and strategy uh, very seriously, but I also have a great appreciation for how fast we need to move in PR. And, and one thing I sort of you know joke around and say, except it is not a joke, that is if there was ever a creative brief written, it wasn't written as fast as it would be in PR. Um, and I think the very fun challenge is to pollinate those two seemingly opposing forces. Planning and strategy requires time and deep thought and culture has no patience for that. And I think that is kind of what we've been building mm -hmm. um, here at MSL. And it's been really, really fun. I think that's super well said. And, and one thing, I am I am newer to PR than even Shreya is. But um, I think along those lines, one thing that I have learned in, in, my, in my time here is that um, we're kind of building the plane as we fly it, right? Uh, there were some old rules that really applied to PR about how you connected with people, how you got a story out in the public, what people wanted to hear. And those rules, I mean, have, have sort of changed rapidly with the way that that media and culture are, are evolving. So, um, I, you know, Shreya comes to things with this, this sort of planner perspective, and yet planning is one of the more difficult things uh, now because, you know, the, the the way we communicate could look totally mm -hmm. different in six to eight months than we did, you know, just a, just a year ago. Shreya, your, your background is pretty amazing. And, but I could see where all of that comes into this new vision that MSL has. Very, very exciting. What I want to do now with both of you, though, is um, this whole concept of operating at the speed of culture is really, really fascinating. And I am sure there are many, many listeners out there, if not all of them, saying, wow, that sounds great. How do you do that, though? I mean, really, tactically, how do you do that? Kind of want to get into that a little bit. And I want to ask both of you slightly different questions, sort of about the same thing. Shreya. I'd love, to, love for you to talk a little bit about setting up a team and a structure and a way of working that allows for an operation at the speed of culture. 
Yeah, thank you, Gideon. I think it's a really interesting question. And I might sort of start with, you know, this idea that PR is inherently, uh, you know, really has been um, a space where it's been very good. PR has been very good at responding to cultural and societal forces. I think where strategy comes in is creating this sort of always on mechanism, which helps our client teams to be a little ahead of culture and get in even before perhaps, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, what we call a tipping point. And if we go back to this idea of the craft of strategy, you know, cross-pollinating with the speed of, of culture, you know, we're constantly finding ways to sort of accelerate the pace at which the team, you know, Ben is such an inherent part of that team, to kind of constantly take a view at what's happening in culture, unpack sometimes really complex ideas in a way that clients can understand that when culture is getting shaped and reshaped as a result of those intersections of society and technology and politics and so on and so forth, and we are moving at different speeds, that they're able to understand, you know, how to kind of ebb and flow through that and between that and understand their role in it. And so That, I think, really helps us or has helped me to really build a strategy team um, at MSL. So I, you know, and Ben is probably going to giggle a little bit because he's heard the spiel uh, many, many times. I see strategy on a spectrum. Uh, Data and analytics is is a very, very important part of the strategy team. So, Gideon, if you think about that spectrum on on one side, you've got data and analytics and research. In the middle somewhere, you've got core planning, you've got core strategy, and then you've got creative strategy that sort of sits towards the end, which rolls into our other center of excellence, which is the creative team led by Roya Portovi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we tend to ebb and flow between, um, you know, embedded analytics and strategy on our client businesses to also, uh, you know, given the ask, responding to specific sort of projects that come in. And I think the ways of working is incredibly, incredibly important for us. I think it is both a process but it's also, a, you know, just just culture. And what I mean by that is it's the culture of, of collaboration. We like to work in integrated teams. And I think, you know, MSL is, is a really nice size where I think we can be nimble enough and, and sort of agile enough to figure out ways to not work in, in silos. The best work happens when we push the work together, when collaboration happens through the diversity of thinking mm-hmm. from the different sort of, you know, crevices across the agency. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, strategy does not happen in, in this one area. It is very much a bridge that connects the rest of the agency. You know, what I really love about that, because one of the thoughts that kept coming into my head as you were saying that is um, oftentimes a lot of the recent conversations I've had about culture with agency leaders and even in-house leaders was about the culture that they're setting up within their organization. We are talking today about, you know, broader culture, but you need to set up the right culture at your agency to deal with the culture outside. And there is, you know, I'm I'm not not trying to sound too smart. There's there's actually a segue here to you, Ben, and this is it. Your title is your title is quite unique. VP of cultural strategy. Yeah, I haven't come across that too often at PR agencies where so. It would be really funny for me to ask, what do you do, Ben? Because that's that seems like a really stupid question. But I mean, what I mean, but, you know, as a VP of cultural strategy, like 
Could you talk a little bit about like what 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 a day is like for you? Like, I mean, I think I think people would be really, really interested to know, like, you know, what someone in your role is doing on a, you know, on a daily basis. And I know every day is probably different, but Mm -hmm. if you could sort of just give our give our listeners a little bit of insight of what the VP of cultural strategy and MSL does, I think that would be kind of enlightening, actually. Sure. Well, it's mostly just sitting on teams. Um, No, I'm kidding about that. I I want that job. (laughs) Um, No, no, I'm kidding. Um, Look, my background comes in the world of brand strategy, right? And um, I uh, I've been working in this for uh, over a decade. I spent six years uh, over at Omnicom working at a brand strategy shop there where I sort of uh, figured out what cultural relevance was. That's a lot of what I do on my day-to-day to to figure out what is relevant. And it's funny because, you know, you tell somebody about Mm -hmm. that and sometimes they hear cultural strategy just as you were saying and they say, oh, you work at HR. And it's like, no, but I will talk about how to build better systems. Really what we do is, Mm -hmm. uh, what I do every day is study emerging themes and trends and understand the ways in which complex cultural histories, the market, social media, even aesthetics, um, shape what we think is relevant. And when you tell someone you study trends, they kind of picture, I I think about that that recent sketch on um, SNL that maybe you're familiar with, where A.D. Bryant and Bo and Yang are wearing all black and they have these very strange haircuts and they're plugging things Mm -hmm. into a computer to like Mm -hmm. imagine the future. And yeah, there are trend forecasters who, Mm -hmm. who do that. Um, I am not that. <laughs> I don't have the level of taste uh, to okay. do that. I always tell people, I like, I am not cool, but I'm particular, but I'm pretty good at figuring out what people think is cool and what people think is relevant. Um, and so the day to day is just that. It's understanding what the client needs are, how culture is changing, and how to bring those things together. And of course, you're not doing that in a static way. This is not, you know, this this happens as culture is moving forward and changing, you know, every minute. You might have something that's relevant on Twitter and TikTok for six hours, but you might also be dealing with something with a client that mm-hmm. is the kind of thing that will be decades in the making. And how do you move from, you know, the speed of girl dinner to climate change uh, is really a challenge for brands who want to be very <laughs> present, who want to build smart communication strategies who want to get in all the right places and inspire all the right actions. Um, and so much of what I do in, you know, in, in conjunction with Shreya is find ways in which we can build out systems, whether it's qualitative research, quantitative research, or just, you know, things that inspire us to come up with solutions that feel really grounded in relevance, not just for us, but for the target audience that the, um, the client wants to connect with. I still want that job, though I'm probably not equipped to do it. And certainly not anywhere near you are. Very much appreciate that. A lot of these questions are just really, really kind of flowing into one another because obviously culture is very fluid. And one thing about PR that, again, a lot of conversations, especially when it comes to data analytics, is that PR is at its most effective when it sees around corners. It needs to predict what's going to happen. That's not easy. I mean, that's not easy for anybody. So, um, but it's kind of part of the job. So I kind of, we've kind of touched on data a little bit, but I don't think you can have a conversation today without mentioning AI at some point. I'd love to get a sense of the role that AI plays with both of you and your teams at MSL to sort of help you, going back to the theme here, operate at the speed of culture. Ben, I'm going to start with you this time. 
Yeah. Um, well, look, I think the big question when it comes to AI is, is it artificial intelligence or is it augmented intelligence? And where this comes okay. to bear in, in our practice in, in PR at MSL is I think our use of AI really needs to be about augmenting what we do to make it better. Um, you know, it's something like four in 10 consumers say that the algorithmically driven AI marketing and communications they receive in social media is relevant to them. That means six in 10 don't think it's relevant, mm. right? Um, mm. And so, yeah, and look, that is a major, that's a major concern, not just for like the advertising and the media buying industry, but it's relevant for, for what we do in PR because we are so focused on people's needs and their frustrations in many ways. What do they want to hear? And so for me, as we look at AI tools, whether we're crunching something like, you know, 10 million tweets and trying to find like word patterns or whether we're playing around with ChatGPT or even building decks using things like MidJourney, we really need to use artificial intelligence to augment what we're doing and to make the human intelligence that much smarter and that much more effective. I could read those 10 million tweets and try to find like word patterns. And it would take me, you know, <laughs> six, seven years if I can it right. And if I can use a technology that does it in sixty seconds, all all the better. So you know, it's funny because there's always this question of like, are we going to be replaced by the robots? And I look mm-hmm. forward to working alongside them because I think what we do. And Trey, I hope you agree with me. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think as long as we're using AI to make our creative minds and at the human part of our job better, then it's really valuable. If we're using it to automate what we do, then it's not going to work because you know you need a bit of that human magic to make it valuable. Mm-hmm. Well said, Trey. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Ben. And I think you know. Data is a critical step to operate at the speed of culture. It is our foundation. And I think that this idea of, of, of generative AI tools, I would call them sort of a close companion. And, and Ben's, uh, Ben's not working alongside that close companion is very much, um, you know, very much the philosophy at the agency. And I think that within strategy and within the craft uh, of strategy, I think Generally, uh, in our strategy industry pod, you know, some of the things that we've been talking about is that Jenny is not going to write your strategy, obviously. I, I think we've all sort of, uh, you know, head nodded to that for the last many months. Um, but, you know, the way that we're thinking about it as a partner or as a companion is primarily in three ways. And this is how Gideon, our teams are aligning with mm-hmm. Jenny. I. One is it's a great brainstorm mm-hmm. partner. It's a great co-writing companion, right? And it's and it's a great creative researcher. So when you think about the velocity and volume of, of say new business pitches that are coming our way, and you know, we have teams that have to operate at the speed of that, that's when Gen AI uh, tools are incredibly in favor. And I think that that has been incredibly helpful to us. And I'm, I'm sure uh, you've probably heard that from, from other folks as well in the industry. The only thing I'll say is that, you know, you can't over index mm. on, on any one thing. As, as, as Ben said, you know, data or, or AI alone is not going to bring all the magic. I think it's the intersectionality and the cross-pollination of those elements that come together. And going back to something that you very smartly articulated, Gideon, is that that culture 
that we need to build. I think there is there is a there is a hyper obsession out there. You know, all of our LinkedIn posts and every sort of uh, every conference we go to, it's it's all AI, and that's great. And I think we have to continue to unpack because that is changing every single day. But I think the point here is to build an internal culture that we are, um, you know, obviously continuing to explore those avenues, but also training our teams and sort of heading in that direction together so that we are allowing that cross-pollination to happen in a way to do mm. better. Yes, of course, faster, but better uh, better work. Um, so the trick mm-hmm. is really balance. And I think that, you know, where, where, I mean, I, I'm very, very proud of the fact at, at MSL that, you know, we've built a, a fantastic team. Uh, you know, Ben is very much a part of that team and it has data analytics. It has, as you can see, a culture, creative strategists and this kind of bringing together of the sort of diverse set of individuals, uh, along with the magic of, of AI, I think is, you know, what we're sort of building together. And um, so what I'll say is I think it's, you know, the magic really happens when we're able to cross-pollinate, you know, between the team and the way that we train our team and continuing to explore sort of the massive toolbox of Gen AI that is coming our way. The only thing I'm going to say to close that segment is that um, if robots ever replaced Shreya or Ben, I would not want to live in a world like that. <laughs> robots will never replace the two of you. That's and clearly, <laughs> lay, of course, I mean, I, come on. I wouldn't want to do a podcast with a robot. I mean, what fun would that be? Um, actually, hmm, interesting. Uh, let's, let's think about that. <laughs> anyway, what I want to do now is I actually want to put everything that we've talked about today somewhat to a test. It's not really a test, but here's how I'm going to lead into this. Age. So many key issues revolve around age, and I'm talking about all generations. The greater than ever importance everyone places on health and well-being. Those are just a couple of examples of major trends in the world right now. Culture shaping trends, if I may use that term. I'd love for the two of you to elaborate on these or perhaps other mega trends that you see right now as accelerating Mm. that speed culture that we've been talking about. Um, So I guess I'm asking you to look a little bit into your crystal balls, if I can use that term. It's kind of an old term. Well, first, I have to ask Rhea if she's cool with me expensing a crystal ball, because I think that would look good on client calls. Um, no, you know, um, we are thinking a lot about this lately at, at MSL. And I think it's in part because we recognize that as we try to keep up with the day to day pace of, um, of how culture is changing, that we also need some fundamentals, right, that you can operate mm-hmm. really quickly, right? That could be your speed. Um, But you have to recognize that none of this happens in a vacuum. The thing that is the joke on, again, on X for like two hours might be grounded in something that takes years and decades to come to fruition. And so we're imagining, I think, new ways to strategize against this that both operates at that very fast culture and at that very slow culture. And so I'm glad you brought up some of these megatrends because we're thinking a lot about it. I love you brought up aging. To me, this is such a fascinating Trend in part because in some ways it's like ageism is one of the last kind of taboos that we haven't done a lot of critical work on uh, as a culture. And I'm not saying all the other isms, all those other unpleasant ones have disappeared by any stretch of the imaginations, but ageism and, and, and how we think about age can be really complex and can occasionally mm-hmm. be really problematic. And it's, it's funny to be having this conversation sort of as we're having it. Um, Because this week, I've been thinking a lot about the fact that Joe Biden 
and Martin Scorsese are born within like, we're born the same week uh, in, uh, I suppose, uh, 1942, right? And why mm. am I bringing up this little bit of, um, of trivia? It's because I saw Killers of the Flower Moon and I thought it was great. I thought it was brilliant. It got great reviews, very sort of relevant in culture. People are calling him a master. There are people on TikTok talking about how much they like calling Scorsese the goat, calling him like this incredible font of, of contemporary culture. And yet at the same time, three quarters of Americans say that Joe Biden, as of as of right now, uh, is too old to run for re-election, right? Mm-hmm. These are people who are functionally the same age um, and are looked at in culture in two completely uh, different ways. I mean, obviously being president is probably one of the hardest jobs out there. Maybe it's a little more difficult than, than directing films, but... Um, to me, that's fascinating because it's like we are looking at something in the same context and reading that um, entirely differently. And I think we kind of need to start having a broader cultural conversation about what does it mean to live in a society that's gray? What does it mean to live in a world where a politician could reasonably be in their 70s and 80s and still be very vital? What does it mean if they're not passing the torch because they they feel that way? Does that feed distrust and anger between Gen Z and millennials and and boomers who who won't retire and maybe shouldn't have to retire. That's a really complex question and something that, you know, I think a lot of brands want to maybe stay away from, want to be really careful about how they engage with that. But it's not like it's not a vital thing for us to to think about. Um, Shreya, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about this, especially because I feel like We've been talking a lot lately about like youth culture yeah. and about how Gen Z can see the world very differently than millennials, even though they may only be separated by like eight to 10 years. Yeah, I think it's mm. fascinating. I, I also think, you know, the idea of, of aging has been in the trends world for a long, long time. I remember writing a white paper in, in the mid 2000s about the aging populations globally. And, you know, Japan, for example, as we all know, has been aging for a long while. So I think what Ben brings up very smartly is around certain sort of crevices and nuances that we have to continue to dig into for this part of the world. But the other thing that we have been doing and depending on the client and the ask is juxtaposing some of the learnings from other parts of the world, because I think that's where it gets really interesting. Learning from countries like Japan or even juxtaposing what Ben, you just brought up, this idea of of just the orientation around aging as we think about how hyper-focused we are on Gen Z um, Mm. as, you know, as a generation and sort of overleaning in some ways as we think about all things culture to Gen Z. You know, millennials, for example, are in their 40s now. And I think uh, I think we forget that, you know, they are very much the sandwich generation who we used to think about. You know, we used to think about Gen X, but it is millennials mm. today. So I think what makes this particular topic and along with a lot of the other megatrends we're following, but aging specifically, is I think the global juxtaposition that we're looking at sort of across, not just in the U.S., but but across other markets as well. Yeah. One of my, just to, to build on that, Shreya, I mean, first of all, that is very well said. And one thing that blows my mind as we think about the future, you know, Gideon, you asked mm-hmm. us to take out our, our crystal ball a little bit. Half of people under 18 on this planet will live in Africa in the tw- late 2040s, early 2050s. If you think that youth culture today 
feels like it's pulling from interesting spaces. And, you know, we're, we're trying to understand what K-pop and sort of Chinese pop culture mean to global youth culture. In like 15 years, everyone's going to have to get really smart about youth culture in Nigeria. Right. And so what you want to do now is build those muscles in your brand, in your communication strategy to feel comfortable asking yourselves, well, how do I take something that's relevant in Nollywood or, or in Bollywood and make it feel relevant to, to younger and, and maybe even older, uh, older consumers? It's just a thing that we're having trouble escape. You know, that it's, it's a conversation that I think we sometimes avoid. Um, and it's one that we ought to actually lean into to understand that like age really does matter. And the more holistically we address it, the more inclusively we address it, I think the better a brand does. Um, in in building those connections with with consumers. What I really, really appreciate about everything that you guys said today is that you have managed to bring some real structure to something that is very, very difficult to shape. I mean, culture, like we said before, is so fluid. It changes on on a dime. Mm. What you said about Martin Scorsese versus, versus Joe Biden... I never heard that before. And that's really, really interesting. Um, depending on, I guess, I guess, depending on what side of the political aisle you're on, I guess. But um, that's really, really interesting how you can look at two people of the same age and just view them completely differently. And these are the kind, these are the kinds of things that you guys yeah. are looking at every single day as you're trying to operate at the speed of culture. And I think it's um, really, really fascinating. And I just, I do have to say though, when I have a conversation with two great leaders like Ben and Shreya, the only regret that I have is there isn't more time. Unfortunately, we are out of time at the moment. And this podcast actually did go too speedily for me. Yes, the pun was intended, everybody. But I'm comforted in the knowledge that the time we did just spend together um, was really valuable, certainly enjoyable, and greatly beneficial to our audience. So, Ben, Shreya, I really want to want to thank both of you for joining us today. You added so much to this conversation. I really, really appreciate it. I also want to thank MSL, of course, for supporting this podcast. And, of course, I want to thank all of you out there for tuning in. This is Gideon Fiddles out of PR Week, wishing you all a great rest of your day. 